Welcome to Perspectives Unsettled, a podcast that exists to challenge our assumptions about faith and move the average Christian from status quo into boldness in action. I'm your host, Emily Luttrell. And I'm Ben Stewart. And with us today is Jeff Bunting. Woohoo! What's up, Jeff? Hey, guys. Jeff is our VP Global Operations, and we're excited that you're here today, Jeff. Hey, I am too. So excited. This is your third time on our podcast? Second time? I don't know. Something it, like it's that. been a while. It, it has, has been a while. I think it. I think it's been over a year, maybe. Probably. Wow. I mean, we talk to you a lot. But yeah. Our thousands listeners. of listeners probably miss you. You know, the funny thing about that is actually somebody approached me last week and was just talking about how much they loved the podcast and was referencing things that I'd said and had the impression that this went out like last week or something. Huh. And mm. I had no idea what they were talking about. And they went back and I was like, oh, that's from like 2021 or something like that. Wow. So that was apparently the last time I was on. But Look somebody impacted your time, Jeff. Yeah, that's amazing. Years from today, people will be saying. That's right. Jeff. That Jeff Bunting said, guy. Said something really great. <laughs> well, we're glad you're back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm yeah. happy to be back. Yeah. We're going to have a fun conversation probably. But <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> How's that for optimism? That's right. right. It's always a fun conversation. Well, it's going to start with a fun so question I hear. This is kind of, okay, we're going to see how this goes. All right. But as I was reflecting on this podcast, realizing this is kind of like the OG crew here. We have, Jeff has been literally the OG for the last 10 plus years with Uncharted. The OSG the at o- the table. The, that's right. And, you know, I'm going in my eighth year and Emily, you're going on like, depending on how we count, we'll just say it's been one continuous fluid time with Uncharted mm-hmm. about going into your sixth year, somewhere between five and six. Yeah. Five and six. Yeah. So, all right. We've also, I feel like done the most travel together, mm. either sometimes the three of us together. We actually have an upcoming trip in January. Uh, we've done other trips together, the three of us, or like different, you know, like Emily, you, me, and Kathy have been on trips together, et cetera. Mm-hmm. All that to say, we're probably like the most seasoned with each other traveling. So this could quickly go sideways because it might <laughs> reveal some things that, you know, we have to talk about offline. I- I'm getting nervous. I, you should be. <laughs> So maybe, maybe we'll be gentle with each other though. What, what is one thing, random, specific, maybe it feels trivial thing that we have learned about each other in our travels that the average listener wouldn't know? So, so what's something about each other, the way we travel? And I'm just Mm going to put it out on the table right now. Like I know I'm one of the most high maintenance travelers. So I'm not going to be hurt or offended by any of the many number of things you could pick on in answer to this question. All right. But like, what's one thing we've learned about each other in all of our travels with each other that feels random or unknown? Hmm. It doesn't have to be like a funny thing, but it, you know, (laughs) maybe could be or should be. The first thing that comes to mind for me, I've obviously roomed with Ben. Uh, I don't room with Emily when we travel for obvious reasons. But (laughs) a lot of times when we travel, we're limited to taking a a carry-on that can't weigh more than 15 pounds and a small backpack. And so you have to really prioritize what we take with us. You have to think carefully. What is the most important stuff to you? Mm -hmm. That's right. And seemingly pretty high on that list for Ben is house shoes. And so we're in a hotel for three days and Ben Brings out the house shoes. hundred percent every time. Just makes me feel cozy and at home. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you are. Wherever I am, home is there with the house shoes. 
I will say Jeff has a very particular way to get on an airplane. <laughs> and it's like getting there like as soon as possible. First one on the plane, uh-huh. putting the suitcase up, sitting down, getting up, going to the bathroom, uh-huh. bef- like before anyone else has boarded. Yep. And the first few times I'm like, this is silly. Now... I do the exact same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I've been converted. Like, yes, this is the routine. This is the best way. Glad to know I've contributed something to Uncharted over Mm -hmm. the last decade. Yep. I always want to have my carry-on above my seat. And that's... That's very it's the worst thing to have your carry-on like seven rows behind, right? Because then when you stand up, you're you're swimming upstream to try to get that Mm carry-on. And yeah, so... I will say, Emily, I was trying to think about this with you and, you know, there there might be a few things I could think of, but one of the things that stands out is, um, as one of our resident millennials, it always amazes me how like you refuse to download apps (laughs) and the more travel a person does, the more apps help that travel experience Mm -hmm. but like like the delta or united app for example or the currency exchange app or google translate or like the list goes on and just no like you refuse not to download apps can i tell you how angry i am that i now have the delta and the united (laughs) (laughs) they're hidden in a folder but i know that they're there yeah well, that's good. That, that was pretty gentle. Yeah, we could little, have... Little idiosyncrasies. Maybe, I know we have others on each other, but, you know. Maybe the next time Jeff is on, we'll feel less charitable toward each other. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my last podcast, right? Discipleship multiplication in unreached and overlooked places is hard, slow, and fraught with difficulties. In most of our current locations, our partners deal with pretty intense persecution, and that has only increased in recent years due to different government upheavals. And as we look to future locations for Uncharted, they aren't in any easier places. Part of Uncharted's vision as an organization is to continue to grow and come alongside new partners in more locations. This year, we're launching our fifth location and taking steps on identifying regions in which to pursue more partnerships. It takes a lot of work and a lot of discernment, and we want to bring you guys into the process with us. So in this episode, we're talking once again to our VP of International Programs, Jeff Bunting, and asking questions like, how are our partners in low-access locations dealing with the increased persecution? Why does Uncharted continue to go to these kinds of places? And where might Uncharted go next? Awesome. Thank you, Emily, for that. And Jeff, it really is great to have you back on the podcast. And uh, for for the listeners, since it has been a while, just a brief sort of recap or summary of your role, Jeff, with Uncharted. Um, your title is actually VP of International Programs. And we use that word intentionally because sometimes the word ministry isn't always the best word to use, depending on the location where we're talking um, but, but really what that title or that role represents is you have the most direct oversight of what Uncharted is doing internationally. And so you have the, the most frequent communication with what we call our field partners. Those are the 
brave men and women that we partner with in the different locations around the world. So you have the most frequent and consistent communication with them. Um, some of the cases, most of the cases, you know, the, the deepest relationship with them, but you're also helping set vision and strategy for uh, where we currently work and also where we hope, God willing, someday to work. And, um, and then, and then also like the operations of it, you know, like the, the day to day, everything from how are we getting finances over there to, um, what is God doing in these places and how is it most strategic and things of that nature. So pretty significant, uh, part of who we are as an organization. Um, and so with that, maybe you could just recap and summarize again for the listener, um, the different locations where we work and just some of the quote unquote highlights or, or things that stand out to you um, in that in that vein. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. We, we currently have uh, a presence or have partnerships in five different locations around the world. And certainly there are a lot of differences uh, between each of those. But one of the the threads that's kind of there with, with each one is that they all just face a lot of challenges. It's difficult to be a Christian. Um, they don't all have high levels of persecution, but at the same time, it's it's not easy to be a Christian. It's not easy to do ministry. The, the soil is often pretty hard. And so um, each one of our field partners faces, uh, you know, varying degrees of significant challenge. Mm-hmm. It's all significant, but then some it's just over the top. And so a couple of the places actually over the last uh, two or three years have faced pretty significant government transitions, mm. um, you know, lots of violence and things like that, persecutions amped up. Um, and so just daily life is difficult. Myanmar is a good example of that. Central mm. Asia is an even better example of that. And so just everyday life is really difficult for people who live there. And then for those who are following Jesus and um, trying to do ministry type work, it just becomes that much more difficult. And yet one of the really neat things we've ha- uh, we've seen happen is in the midst of that really intense persecution, um, a lot of hardship, a lot of challenge, the Church of Jesus has really mm. uh, stood up uh, underneath that and found often creative ways to serve, um, sometimes with a lot of boldness. And so in Central Asia in particular, we've seen uh, the church really grow during a time of intensified mm-hmm. persecution and, you know, so many humanitarian type challenges and things like that. Uh, Myanmar, we've seen people continue to serve faithfully, um, even at risk to themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's just really neat to see. Um, these people who have every reason to just kind of give up, uh, to throw in the towel, um, to have pity party or whatever, they would rightfully be able to do that. And yet, uh, instead, you know, they're, they're faithfully serving, they're sharing their faith. Uh, Serbia is a place that doesn't have quite that same level mm-hmm. of, of persecution, and yet it's still the soil is really hard. Um, it's really hard to do ministry type work. And yet we've seen the multiplication of disciples over and over and over by the people we work with. And so mm-hmm. it's very, very cool. Um, the Himalaya region, uh, we're, we're new there. Uh, that's a, a budding partnership that uh, you'll hear probably more about in the coming months. Um, but it's another place where there's some degree of openness, some places, but you have to be really careful about it. And then, um, a lot of challenge other places. And yet, uh, when I was there earlier this year, it was incredible just to see how people were serving, to see, mm-hmm. uh, the number of people who were coming to Jesus based on the faithfulness and the boldness of his followers mm-hmm. who were just everyday people going about their life, uh, but doing that in a way that intentionally was inviting people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
and North Africa, it's similar. It's, it's a really hard context. Um, it's not the same type of persecution that we would see, would see in Central Asia. And yet, uh, there, there's still a lot of it. People mm-hmm. have to be very careful, um, you know, how they, how they live out their faith, especially when it comes to how they're serving others and that type of thing. And yet, uh, again, we just see the same theme of the people of God, the followers of Jesus, boldly and faithfully finding ways to serve and to mm-hmm. honor God as they do that. That's good. Can you also just um, briefly describe, so so five unique locations, obviously that represents five different cultures and contexts and challenges and opportunities, but what's what would you say is like the unifying mission or focus? Like what's the unifying, this is the bullseye of what we hope to see happening in these locations? Yeah, I'll say maybe two two responses to that. The first off, the thing they really have in common is language that we use is overlooked and unreached. And so those are sort of the identifiers. And so um, unreached, just meaning there aren't a lot of people who are following Jesus there. Mm-hmm. And overlooked meaning there also aren't a lot of people uh, serving and uh, doing outreach, sharing faith, that sort of thing. And so that's sort of our, our niche is those type places. But what we do when we go there is really we partner with local believers so we find people that we share DNA with. Um, they have a, a mission and vision that we really believe in. And so we try to find ways to come alongside them. And that usually looks like discipleship multiplication. So that, that takes a lot of different forms. Um, we're hopeful to see holistic type ministries. So people are serving their neighbors. They're, they're giving back. They're doing things um, out of their relationship with Jesus. But also there's this very intentional focus on um, helping people know and follow Jesus. And, and then training them to go and share that same faith with others. And mm-hmm. so we just call that discipleship multiplication. And so it's not, not a new concept. It's not rocket science. It's right there in scripture. And yet that's really the bullseye for mm-hmm. us is seeing people who are faithfully living uh, for Jesus. They're faithfully following him and they're serving, but that has that, that multiple multiplication component to mm-hmm. it. So uh, in summary, um, discipleship multiplication really is the, the overall unifying focus and mission uh, for the partners that we come alongside and and ultimately the ministries that we want to help accelerate and catalyze and things of that nature. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, there's a couple specific locations that come to mind with this question, but how have you seen over the last several years, maybe the last few years specifically, how have you seen persecution, like the rise of persecution affect the the means uh, or the ways through which our field partners are engaging with people, reaching out to people, and discipling people. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, in, in short, people have to be really creative. And so, you know, here in the U.S., um, you know, anything that you can think of can be sort of an evangelistic opportunity, an opportunity to share faith. You're, you're not concerned about am I going to get thrown in jail for this? Am I going to get stoned for for doing this? And so people do have to be very careful, but they're also very creative. And so uh, one location, Central Asia in particular, uh, our partners are just finding creative ways to fill a a very real need that people have, but they're also using that as an opportunity to build relationships. And as they build relationships, they sense, you know, are some of these people that I have relationships with, are they interested? Are they open to uh, hearing more about Jesus. And when those opportunities are there, the naturally conversations can happen and people are invited to follow if, mm. if they're, if they're ready for that. 
but some of those opportunities include, um, you know, small business type mm -hmm. projects or outreach and serving type projects, but things that are providing jobs, providing something that's genuinely a need that people have and doing that, um, just for very good reasons, because yeah. that is a need. It's, it's an opportunity to serve people. But again, it creates this this platform and this opportunity when deeper conversations can happen too. Yeah, I love one of the examples uh, in Myanmar. One of our field partners there started almost like this little organic impromptu reconstruction company, right? Mm -hmm. Where he like travels around with some young men and they rebuild homes that have been destroyed by different things, different mm -hmm. elements. And uh, what a great platform that's been to build a relationship and open the door to share share about Christ and the gospel. Yeah. And, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We, we have partners who have opened uh, gyms, uh, like workout gyms, yeah. uh, sim, you know, similar approach. And so opportunity for people to come in to, to have, ha have a need met for a community, for relationship, for exercise, but also there's that deeper element there. Um, you know, several small businesses that are empowering people to learn a skill, to provide for themselves, but then also they're having community. They're experiencing community as they, yeah. as they come to work, as they do what they do. And so we've seen a lot of those type of creative uh, things put in place. Emily, to this point, you've, you've actually been to every one of our active locations other than the Himalayans, which is very new, but you in and I are going there. And I haven't been to Central Asia. That's right. Thank you for correcting me. So other than Central Asia, mm -hmm. um, what, what have been some of the like how, maybe how have you seen some of what Jeff just described played out? What have been some of the things, even just on a personal level, that have stood out to you or impacted you from our field partners, the way you've seen discipleship happening, the way you've seen sort of holistic outreach and ministry happening, um, even though they're very different locations from each other? Are there any sort of unifying themes that you've seen in, in their lives or in their ministries? Yeah, I think um, the the biggest impression I've gotten just spending time with our field partners anywhere is the, um, the care that they have for their community, like the, their literal neighbors, mm. um, which doesn't sound radical or bold, but I mean, I don't, I honestly don't know my neighbor's names. <laughs> mm, right. Um, and I definitely wouldn't if I lived somewhere like that is this kind of difficult. Um, but even, um, the, the most recent international trip I was on, I think was to Serbia and I was able to hang out with some guys. Um, uh, we were doing a video and just kind of follow them around for a couple of days mm -hmm. as they just did their thing. Um, and they were so, um, involved in like, we would walk down the street and they would see 10 people they knew and they would stop mm -hmm. and ask them and, uh, want to know how they're doing when they're going to see them next, whether they went to their church or not. Mm. Um, and they just, um, the kind of ministry that they did or the programs were like, they did carnivals for kids in the summer. They did puppet shows and they had a, like a pretty big and successful, like media mm. outreach thing, which is exciting for me because that's, that's cool, what right? I do. Yeah. Um, and so it's really just, um, it's really very simple mm. of like, we really love these people and here are the things that we like doing mm. that we're good at doing and here are the things that they need. And we're going to do that. Mm. Um, and it, it can get really complicated. And I think as Americans who think a lot about like programming and measurables mm. and structure and effectiveness, like 
it can that can be a detriment whereas like you can also just like talk to people and (laughs) and be like hey i like camera stuff and so like we're gonna do this and um you know they're not thinking so much about how to be effective as opposed to just like well this is what jesus said so Mm -hmm. we're just gonna do that and like shocker that Mm -hmm. it is it works yeah 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 case in point we just got back um from a vision trip to serbia north africa and in both locations, watching our field partners do those very things that you just described, like just the way that they so naturally yet intentionally related to people. And, uh, it was really fun. There was a few of us who with one of our field partners in particular, um, we were just sitting in these crazy, insane, busy streets outside at a cafe. And we were there for probably you know, 90 minutes or so. But by the end of it, there were several locals who were just around us with us, talking to us, practicing their English with us. And this guy was just so natural and and so good at just becoming friends with them and, and, you know, talking inappropriate ways about the love of God and Jesus with them. And, um, it was really cool just to like see it in action, you know, and how, how straightforward and simple it was, but yeah. And even going back to Jeff, what you're saying about like the creativity they all display, like they, they have to be creative Mm -hmm. because they can't mostly can't just like hand out tracks or invite people to their church or whatever. Um, but because they can't do that and they're being creative, it feels much more natural. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's normal. It's like, yeah, these are the things we like doing. This is the thing that our community needs. We're just going to do that. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, by having to think more, they don't overthink it. Right. That's good. Yeah. And I, I love, you know, so often I think in the American church and not just to, to, to rip on the American church, but so often we try to think of like some really, really incredible program that's mm-hmm. going to be effective at reaching people and nothing wrong with programs or whatever. But the thing I love about watching kind of what you guys have described, watching our field partners in action in so many places is like, they're just, they're just living their life but they're living their life intentionally and, and with purpose and in a way that has them in relationship with so many different people. And God is using that. God's using them through those relationships to do really cool things. Yeah. It's good. So one of the things about uncharted is like to, to keep going boldly to Mm -hmm. not, you know, I mean, it's in the intro of our podcast It's to, um, move from the status quo into boldness, et cetera, et cetera. So part of our goals and our vision for Uncharted is to keep going into more locations. Like we have five Mm -hmm. technically now, the the Himalayas is the newest one, still kind of, uh, you know, launching that. Um, But there is a plan to continue (laughs) to to do that, um, to keep going. So, Ben, I'm going to ask you, like, why, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Uh, I assume you have an answer. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. But, um, I mean, to be very specific, Mm -hmm. one of our goals was to have 10 locations in 2025. Mm -hmm. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about why Uncharted wants to do that? Yeah, it's good. Honestly, I'd say there's probably different ways I could answer the why. Some of it depends on like, you know, context who we're talking to. So this is one of the main ways that I would I would answer why do we want to keep moving forward? Why do we not, not why do we not want to just say okay that's enough? 
Um, and so some of the language that I use is, though it can sound a little overdramatic, um, I think it's actually really accurate and really gets to the heart of, of why we keep moving forward or wanting to move forward. And that language um, that sometimes I like to use is, I really do believe, and, and here at Uncharted, we believe that uh, the greatest human injustice is when people lack access to the hope of Jesus and to the hope of, of his gospel, his good news. And, you know, in, um, in nonprofit or sort of humanitarian world, um, injustice is, is often the driver for why like we're responding to injustices, right? Like usually an organization exists to respond to some sort of need, to some sort of injustice, to some sort of lacking a, a, a certain people group or subset of humans lacking something, and, and when you look at it through that lens, that's why I, I would say Uncharted exists. And that's why we have these specific goals is we are not okay with the reality that there are literally billions of people who lack access for any number of reasons. It could, you know, um, could be just lack of opportunity to hear it or a high resistance to, um, to the message of Jesus or, you know, so on and so forth. So for any number of reasons, there are billions of people who lack access to, to just know, not let alone choose to receive, but to at least just know who Jesus is, the, the beauty of his message, the beauty of his life. And, um, and we're not okay with that. And, and so for us as an organization, we are saying, um, this is our very small, <laughs> but this is our small intentional way in which we can respond to that injustice um, we want to identify those places and those peoples that are unreached, that are overlooked, that don't have access to the hope and life uh, that Jesus provides. And we want to help bring access to those places. Um, so that's a huge part of the why is we're responding to what I would call the greatest human injustice, which is this lack of access to, to the gospel. Um, and, and translating that tangibly for us as an organization, that's why we've put numbers around it. It's not just to grow our own, own organization. It's not just to stroke our own egos or anything like that, but it's really to hold ourselves accountable to say, um, we're not okay with this injustice. We want to keep doing our part to uh, revealing that like God's kingdom is already there. The, the, the hope of Jesus is already present in these places where we just want to find the little ways we can help reveal that. And so by God's grace today, we're at five. That's awesome. Um, but we're not okay with that's it. Um, I would say that, um, by God's grace, we want to hit 10 because what that represents is these are 10 locations, 10 unique parts of the world where we are able to play some small role in helping reveal and advance God's kingdom in those places. When we hit 10, you know, then we ask the question, okay, what's next? Then we're done, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but for this time, for this phase, for this era of Uncharted's life, we've identified 10 is what we feel like God's moving us towards, uh, again, just for this season of unique places where we can identify these brave men and women and help accelerate what God's already doing in those places to uh, to respond to this injustice and to help people at least come in contact with the hope and love of Jesus and his message. Um, so that's, that's a, maybe, maybe it feels like a long answer, but that's kind of a response to the why. 
Um, and so, yeah, a tangible part of our vision and our hope and our dream is in the next couple of years that we would have uh, a presence in 10 unique locations. And along with that, that we're helping activate God's people into that mission, right? So like, just as our locations are growing numerically, so are our church partners here in the U.S. Um, that we want to be that bridge, that two-way conduit that says it's God's people who are the primary way through which God accomplishes his mission. So how can we help connect them to what God is doing in these places and vice versa? Um, so that's a big part of the why behind 10 locations um, and also Jeff's kind of sitting around bored with five locations. He doesn't really have enough to do. Yeah, so I just feel like Jeff's he needs more busy. on his plate. Yeah. So yeah. How would you like to have twice as much work? Hey, bring it on. <laughs> so now, now that we're all on board with this vision. <laughs> um, finally, after seven yeah, years. It's, I'm finally convinced. Thanks, Emily. Just now. <laughs> What, um, and we, we joke about Jeff having a lot of work to do, but so what then goes into, okay, we we've got our eyes on number six now, like, where do we start? What's the first thing, um, that what's the first step in launching a new location? So you, you asked that as if we have a single first step, um, mm -hmm. you know, how we've gotten into each one of our locations is a bit different, you know, one from the next. And so we don't have a, a single, a single pathway. Um, but really it comes down to identifying a place as being strategic as fitting our criteria and being a, a place that we really feel honestly, that we feel the spirit leading us to, um, really focus on. And fr from there, the key really is it's all about partnerships. And so we don't go in, um, as an American organization and just start doing stuff. Um, virtually everything we do, we do by identifying local leaders who we want to come alongside. You know, we have a relationship with relationship is so important to that, um, to everything that we do. And so we'll identify these leaders, um, understand what they're doing and then really find ways just to come alongside and support them to enhance maybe what they're doing, um, and support them along the way. But the, how to get there, um, you know, again, each location's had a little bit different story, but yeah. actually for whatever the next location is uh, beyond the, the Himalayas, you know, we don't know what that is yet, but mm -hmm. the process actually involves, uh, we're going to bring together a small team of people and for a period of weeks or maybe even months, uh, I'll, I'll present to them, I'll say a short list, it may be a dozen or so uh, potential locations. And there, there are basically two things that we're asking of this group. One is to pray. And the other is just to research, to find out everything we can about those places. So the history, the culture, um, what is it like to be a Christian there? You know, is Christianity received well? Are mm -hmm. there very many believers? Things like that. And that really will form kind of the beginning of the funnel process. That's that's the role that that team is serving. Um, once we have that list, you know, narrowed down to something that's a little bit more manageable, uh, we'll probably take... Uh, one or two or even more exploratory trips to maybe one, maybe two or three places, just depending on, you know, kind of what that process mm -hmm. uncovers, what it reveals, what we're feeling, that kind of thing. And during those trips and, and certainly before and after that as well, uh, we're just trying to connect with as many people as we can and learn as much as we can as part of this discernment process of, you know, what is the place that God is really, you know, moving us to focus on next. Mm -hmm. So with our 
newest location, the Himalayas. Uh, can you share a little bit about what that process looked like, like specifically for that region? Yeah, sure. It, it actually was, I want to say an 18 month or two year long process. And um, without going into too many details, just due to security concerns, um, what that looks like today, what the actual partnership looks like. So we're we're coming alongside. It's actually another international organization uh, that has been there for quite some time, um, but we found a way to uh, kind of pilot a program with this organization that's been there, and so we're helping them to do something uh, that they haven't done before. They wouldn't be doing without us. And that really involves coming alongside this uh, for the beta period, a small number of local church planters who are living in different places where there's no expression of the local church and we're supporting them in different ways. But, you know, you have to back up a year and a half or two years before we get to, you know, figuring out that piece of it. And so um, actually we were talking with the same organization about launching into another location and had something set up, but then due to visa issues and some other challenges, uh, that plan just didn't work out. But we kept building a relationship, kept mm-hmm. talking to them, and this opportunity came up in the Himalaya region that we we ended up pursuing. And so we did numerous Zoom calls, um, lots of emails back and forth. Uh, I did a trip and met with them, uh, saw the work on the ground that was earlier this year. And that was really for us, for this particular case, uh, kind of the last step in, okay, yeah, we, we feel like we feel good about this to move mm-hmm. forward. And, um, you know, we're, we're doing a three-year beta test for what this looks like and we'll evaluate, you know, each year, but then certainly evaluate at the end. Uh, but that's a unique way of, of going about it. We haven't gone through a process like that with any of the other locations. Um, there's no other location where we're partnering with an international uh, nonprofit, you know, Christian missions type organization. But it just worked really well, I think. It's a it's a beautiful thing. We're collaborating, we're linking arms with another segment of the body of Christ, and uh, it's one that I'm really excited about. I think that story, that example, is a great illustration of of kind of how Uncharted works and operates in a lot of a lot of spaces um, of our organization. That like I, I get that question pretty frequently, you know, like how do you, how do you launch a new location? And I just chuckle because it's like, well, every location so far has looked totally different from, from another. And, um, and I, and I think that's something that we've kind of just leaned into as an organization is we do hold a lot of the how and, and the mode pretty loosely. Um, not because we are haphazard or, or don't care, but because I really do, I really believe it's because we see how in every different scenario, the spirit is working differently and there's different relationships that surface and, and a lot of that sort of dictates and shapes the how. And I feel like there's been a lot of freedom for us that we don't have a particular model or mode. There's certainly values. There are particular values. And you mentioned those, Jeff, like, you know, relationships is one of those and, a focus on discipleship multiplication and, you know, things of that nature. So it's not like there's not things that shape it. There are things that shape it, but the how has been so fluid. And, and I think rather than fight that or resist that or try to bottle it up, you know, into some sort of secret sauce, you like, we've just sort of said, all right, like, let's, let's let that be pretty fluid. Um, and so that's, that's kind of, that's been fun and exciting. Yeah. I mean, I think about like how you and I were, 
in the Arab Peninsula, driving around just two random white dudes, the Arab Peninsula going crossing borders and, you know, meeting different people and trying, almost getting detained, and almost getting detained because of all your medications. Almost getting detained is important. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and then our Serbia, like the way we launched Serbia, you know, again, just spending the better part of two weeks in the, in the Balkans driving around and mm-hmm. meeting people and discerning and, we didn't know anybody in Belgrade, you know, now five years later, look at what the ripple effects have yeah. led. Um, so it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's always intentional, but not prescribed. It's not, right. it's not set already. And and yeah. I, I do feel like that's, that kind of goes to the DNA that we have as an organization of really, you know, one of our values is that we want to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. And when we come up with goals, like it's not always easy to figure out how you measure that and yeah. what that looks like. But I do feel like this process or these very processes um is a good example of, of that very thing where we, there's a lot of thought a lot of effort a lot of intentionality but but also a tremendous amount of openness to um to seeing god move in ways that he hasn't moved previously mm. or um this process where you know that i described earlier of um you know launching our next potential location mirrors a process that we've done once before mm-hmm. and yet even within that you know there were these elements of just sort of what we're what we're feeling in the moment mm-hmm. um not that we just go on feeling all the time but i do think you know the, the spirit gives you those feelings those totally. senses that like okay this is the right thing or we love this this is a really intriguing place but for for this reason or that reason it's not where we're supposed to go mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, I, I love sort of that mixture of intentionality of, of some structure, but also all of this openness to, to God moving and working in new and unique ways. That's good. So as we think about the current locations that we have that we've been working in um, and potential new places that we would like to have a presence in or like to have field partners in, the because of who we are as an organization and the kind of places we want to go to, pretty much anywhere we would work in the church will be persecuted either by the government or um, by friends and families or even a more um, or a less extreme version Um, but still I mean the point is we're going where it's hard for the church to grow so as we think about you know our our friends that we have now living in these places where they're being persecuted and then looking to make more of those friends in other persecuted places. What's something that you guys would like our listeners to keep in mind or have on their heart or pray for as we, um, you know, look for more places where we can support the church? Yeah, that's a great question. And so thank you. Thank you, Emily. And one thing that comes to mind immediately for me is, you know, the harder the location and the more, intense the persecution is, the more difficult it is to really network your way to the right partners. And and I that word, the right partners, is really the key, because it's not just about finding people who are doing ministry in the country. I mean, typically, even in countries with intense persecution, you can usually find somebody if you, you try hard enough, but really finding the right partners with the right heart and the right DNA who you know, we, we just work well with, and, you know, we don't want to just come alongside the most charismatic or the most exciting or the one who does the best job of telling the story and, you know, sharing the pictures or whatever. We want to find the right partners that God is leading us to. And, and we want, 
our partnership. We want whatever that looks like, whatever we're doing uh, to engage and support. We want that to make a real difference, not just for the partner, but for the kingdom, for the people that that partner is is working with and trying to reach. And you know, I, I feel really happy with the partnerships we have in place in, in our current locations. And feel like, you know, God has definitely had a hand in helping to, to identify and establish those partnerships and things like that. But that's really a, a big key as we go to our next location. Uh, and like I said, it's not always a quick and easy process. And even how we've linked to some of our current partners is just this incredible chain of events and chain of relationships that's led us to them or led them to us. And um, we just want to see that same thing continue to happen wherever it ends up being. And I think what I would add to that and compliments it is is finding the right partners, like Jeff said, and then that we would have our own type of spirit of creativity and adaptiveness. Adaptability. Thank you. In in how we come alongside those partners. And so um, there's three words that Jeff and I have identified, like when people ask us, well, what do you bring to the table to use that sort of language? What do you bring to the table to your field partners? There's three categories that we've identified, which is relationship. Like one of the common denominators for all our field partners is just how isolated they really are in, in the work that they do um, because of the types of places where they live. So we just want to, we want to, be friends to them and we want to introduce them to our friends who can be friends to them so that they know they're not alone in this, in this kingdom endeavor. So we bring relationship resources. Typically that's finances. There's other things too, but typically finances and then care for their soul, soul care. And I think one of the things we're real time learning and experiencing is what soul care looks like in X location doesn't work or doesn't translate to why location. And so how do we continue to, you know, offer that, bring that to the table, but find our own ways of creativity to, uh, to express that in a way that doesn't actually add burden or complexities that are unnecessary. Um, and that's true in each one of those three categories. So, um, that's what I would ask for prayer is just our own continued levels of open handedness and creativity and, um, not getting too locked into models, you know, certain models that work to, that keep actually, you know, they keep working in this location, but they don't work. Those models don't work in that location. Um, so what are the new ways of expressing it? Um, and that's just, I mean, that that's fun at times. And then it's also like exhausting <laughs> at times. <laughs> interested in learning more about the persecuted church and the impact we've seen persecution have specifically in our locations, stay tuned. We'll be back with Jeff soon with a dedicated episode talking all about this. In the meantime, if you have comments, questions, or topics you'd like to see us tackle in future episodes, let us know by sending me an email at emily at unchartedinternational.org. 